Welcome to The Vital Vagina, where we delve into brave and crucial conversations about the womb and feminine power. This podcast is not just for people with vaginas. We all come from the womb, and there is much for everyone to learn from this place of deep wisdom. I'm your host, Dr. Danielle Cornelius. I'm a chiropractor and holistic pelvic care provider. I've been working in the feminine healing realm for nearly a decade, and I am honored to bring this work and these stories to light. Well, hello, Shara. Welcome back to The Vital Vagina. Hi, Danielle. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming back. I know we're going to dive into a bit of a juicy topic today, but I wanted to start off by just giving you a quick introduction. Um, People who are listening to this episode for the first time can find Shara and I had my very first episode um, is actually a discussion between the two of us. Um, And today we're going to just talk about something a little bit more specific. But Shara is a dancer, a designer, and an inventor. Uh, She and I created a business about almost 10 years ago now together. And then she ended up taking it to this beautiful, beautiful place and has been creating this muse tracking system to help women and people with wombs uh, track their cycles in order to tap into their creativity. So could you, Shara, tell me a little bit more about like you and where you're at and what your background is? Yeah, absolutely. So um, maybe I'll, I'll tell my story. I think what would be really nice is for everyone to kind of get to know me over time because I feel like you and I are going to be yeah. having many conversations. Yeah. <laughs> just and give so, them some little nuggets. <laughs> I'm just going to give your audience and your listeners a little nugget. Yeah. And I really want to set the stage of that what I'm about to share and I think what you and I are about to discuss is really entering into sacred ground Yeah, because the 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 topic of infertility and childlessness the experience of infertility and childlessness is a silent suffering that we can't voice yeah and it's you remember this danielle when you know we start when we had the womb sessions and uh it was in november and the topic was about radiant self-expression. Mm-hmm. And it was literally th- four days after I had literally become catatonic because I had mm-hmm. lost a opportunity to become a mother. Mm. And it's, I feel that the work that we've done together over all these years has truly been the result of the strength that we've had mm-hmm. to face the, the drive to create and to do it regardless of whether we actually get to become physical mothers or not. Yeah. And to become a creator has been one of the greatest honors. And it's funny because people always think that you know, oh, because I'm single and because I'm childless that I don't want to become a mother. And what's really interesting is, you know, womb, which was the name of our organization. Or that you're not already a mother. Or that I'm not already a mother was the very, it was me answering the very call, the the feminine version of the hero's journey, which is the Mm. woman's quest to create. Mm. Because I answered the call of the quest to create in my own life. And luckily I had you along the way in the path 
we both experience these two spectrums of this conversation that we're not having, which is infertility and childlessness, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so, and so, mm-hmm. yeah, so it's, it's, it's a, it's a really, um, I think this is a really special topic today. Yeah. And for those listening in, if they want to know a little bit more about me, what they should know is that I have been to the depths of suffering and I have come out on the other side full of joie and vivaciousness (laughs) and excitement and I'm producing my life work. Yes. And so, you know, and so I think that there's, you know, I'm definitely speaking today from a point of, you know, I guess it's like in the hero's journey, you go to the depths and the hero actually even like faces their final battle and they die, but then they're resurrected and born again. Mm-hmm. Oh girl, I've been through all that process. <laughs> you, yeah. have yeah. <laughs> yeah. you have to. You have to. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's um it's definitely a topic people don't talk about. I am and you get to this place from lots of different avenues. Some women are uh, childless by absolute choice. Uh, which is beautiful. Um, And some of us have been in a more ambivalent or just because life circumstances set it up so that it wasn't really a choice. Um, And there's just, it really just runs the gamut. And what I've noticed in my personal journey is people really don't talk about it. When I was in my 20s, I was kind of had baby fever. And that's all I cared about. (laughs) Like, that's it's like, I'm having a baby. I don't even care if I find a man. I'm just having a baby by myself. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) I had that baby fever definitely went off in my 20s. Yeah. And then, you know, life happens and time goes by. And um, like you said, my work has been a real calling too. And it takes you on a journey. And part of that journey for me has been infertility and childlessness. And going through all the depths of feeling around all of that and also finding like the relief in it in some ways. And just, I don't know, I just really wish that we talked more about this openly, even though it can be really a painful place because I've noticed even in some of my closest friendships, like once, once everyone else kind of started having babies and then I wasn't, and I stopped talking about it, everyone else just stopped talking about it too. Yeah. Yeah. And And that's really, it's really and and talk about like I, I i sent you this quote from a scientific paper i was reading over the weekend like i was saying like everything i was doing this weekend was leading up to this conversation mm-hmm. and i just was like wow when i saw that they in this paper they said for a woman the stress of infertility or i put in you know parentheses or um childlessness mm-hmm. has been compared to having a diagnosis of cancer or hiv and for us to not be talking about it for us to silently suffer and you know hey show up to work the next day and soldier on as if we didn't just experience the profound energy of life in our body and then lose it or yeah. the profound yes that our body turns on when we find the appropriate partner like for me like having that baby fever has always been a bottom up process not a top down meaning it's not been my mind saying you know I'm gonna have a baby and I know that I can become a mother no matter what like I can you know I it's uh, you know it's modern technology modern medicine I can do it for me it's always been my body sees and recognizes something in an instant with this man mm. and we are meant to create like so the po- have, like the potential of creation and what it'll be it's almost yeah. like 
you know, so like Tammy Kent and the wild feminine, to me, I feel so connected to this wild feminine of me that is um, like, imagine, you know, Shara as an animal and it's springtime. And then all of a sudden it's time to mate. <laughs> My body is going to know how to pick the right suitor. And so it, the, I, that when I talk of from a bottom up level, I mean, the animal in me turns on. Yeah. And it's only happened three times, you know, and it doesn't happen with every partner. Um, but, you know, it's, it's really interesting because uh, my body wants to procreate <laughs> and it really depends on the partner. It wants to have his baby or it doesn't. And the love is still the same, you know, but yeah. it's only happened for me with three um, partners that I've met, but because of life or you're too young or circumstances, yeah. you know, you're not able to, you know, you know, uh, unite your lives. And, and like my, my body doesn't know that there's all these social structures. My body doesn't know that I'm going off to college. My body doesn't know, <laughs> yeah. you know, that it's like, I'm going to start, you know, trying to start a, uh, you know, inventive venture. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I think that's a part of the, what the part of the silent suffering for me has been really, really finding peace between the primal in me that is very real yeah and the aspirational and ambitious in me that is also very real I think it's really interesting that you said for you it's a it's been bottom up because for me it was top down um I think I I've always really loved like babies like when I was a teenager or young kid like I liked babysitting babies and like little 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 kids and I've always really just loved like I still do I'm so grateful I get to work on postpartum women because most of the time they bring in their babies and I just get to play with babies and it totally (laughs) satisfies that urge for me um but it was like I think it got stuck in my head like I can do whatever I want and if I want to have a baby I can have it it doesn't depend on the man but when I was in certain relationships that instinct would kind of go away and then that was really confusing for, for me, for me know, at the time. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. It took some deep work and some healing and going through holistic pelvic care and like psychic type healing work for me to really learn that my body was actually telling me through being basically infertile, not that I could, I could use, I could, I'm sure that I could use um, like medical interventions and I could get pregnant and have a baby if I wanted to, but it didn't come naturally. I've always had irregular periods. It's up through my family line too, mm-hmm. my mother line too. So um, it just, it took me a while to, once I went through those layers, I really connected to the deep, deep, deep part of my body saying, actually, it's not your path in this life because you have other things to do that are really, really important to single focus on. Um, yeah. and that, that it, but it took me a long time to like really understand that on a deep level. And you have to still go through like, cause that those hormonal urges are also so strong that it can be confusing. So strong. You know? so, well, really confused. I mean, talk about confusion. My, my last, um, partnership, the, um, my body wasn't a yes, but because I was, embedded with fear in the culture of, of advanced maternal age, when I clearly was healthy and having healthy cycles, something in my, in like, like a nuclear reactor in my mind said, this is the last chance. This is it. This is it for you. And so I was like, okay, well, I better make this work. (laughs) And it was so confusing because it's the only time I went from a top down and Mm. it really actually created more, more, um, 
distress and problems in my life than if I just was trusting my body and its natural drive to create. And I think that maybe if we had more in our culture, if we had a a greater and a more expansive concept of a woman's creative purpose, like don't ever deny, like how you said, like a single focus, like mm-hmm. the single focus and a single woman, do not ever deny a single woman her motherhood instinct mm. because there are plenty of fathers of science. Yeah. Whether they have children or not. Whether they have children or and not. And no, nobody's like pitying them or <laughs> feeling sorry for them or avoiding no them. No one's or... <laughs> denying their, no one is denying their drive to create. Yeah. Yep. yep. And their drive to leave a legacy. Yep. And think about, see, this is where I always get back to think about when you think about creation, when it comes to creating life through the body perspective, males contribute like the sperm, which is this one moment in time. And the female contributes nine months and then a lot more after that. Um, And so I think like what we're missing of the feminine creative drive when we discount like female creativity outside of pregnancy and birthing. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Hmm. So I have this, I keep getting this flash of this memory of when you and I first met um, and we're two powerful females and we were talking about, (laughs) that's why I love you, (laughs) but we got to be careful what we say too. We have to be very careful what we say, but I do want to tell you that that animal in me sniffed out your alpha right away. And I was like, oh yeah, she's my home girl. Like I liked you right away too. Yeah. It was instant. Um, and I remember we were at lunch across the street from my old, the, my old studio one day, and it was probably a couple months after we met. And after we had done one of those workshops with Maria and we started really digging into the feminine realm, I think we had, we were either starting womb at that time or we had just started it, but we were talking about how neither one of us had kids and we were kind of telling each other stories. And then we looked at each other and you were like, let's pinky swear to not have children. (laughs) (laughs) And then we did. (laughs) Here we are. I remember in the moment, like, oh, I don't. I, I better be real careful about like, what I just, cause that felt really powerful. Like we just like made some sort of a spell, and, like, but, uh, but uh, now that I look, and then, you know, I know you went through some times after that. And so did I, um, of like, the, that's when things got deeper. I had to really confront after that. And I never associated it with that moment. It was later that I kind of pieced this all back together. Um, But after that, I had a few years of like having to go into the depths and really make some hard choices for myself. And, and you kind of have to make them for your, you know, for yourself. I couldn't rely on my partner to help me because it was really a deep inside job to do. Uh, And so I just, I feel like between the time that we made that pinky swear and now like eight years, I think have gone by and what we've created is like, is utterly worth not going through birthing and children and not not to say that you couldn't do both but the ability I've had to be able to single focus is such a blessing that I will I wanted I guess what I wanted was to be able to either throw myself 100% into mothering or throw myself 100% into business and then so I separated myself into like well I'm just gonna let go of mothering and then of course like I end up being attracted to this feminine realm and there's so much mothering involved in my job And so, you know, there's so much, you know, creation involved in like doing this deeply feminine work that 
um, there is something really special. And how many women in history that we know of in recorded history have actually had the opportunity to be able to create without having children also? Exactly. And let me just for our listeners, when we pinky swore, my intention at that pinky swear was simply to, for a period of time, <laughs> we would not get knocked up yeah. so that we could focus on this thing that we, I could, you know, I sensed that there was something for you and I to create together. Yeah. And it was so strong. I didn't know what it was at the time. And now it is like, it is all of this. It is yeah. your practice. It is the muse cycle. It is this inventive, you know, work. Um, but I, I knew it, it's like, um, the, it was a, it was like the artist call. It's like when you, you, when the call to create, sometimes you, it, you have to commit to the journey yeah, or you don't get the boon. Right. And so that was why I was like, oh man, <laughs> I was like, girl, we got to be in this because if we stick with this, this is going to be so, so good. And we're going to have something that we can actually, you know, that will sustain us for the rest of our lives. Cause I'm into yeah. that. Like I'm into that vocational longevity. I'm into yeah. that lifelong learning. I'm into that lifelong inspiration. Yeah. Like I'm going to be in my nineties still doing this. Yes. Work. I know. Me because too. you and I, because you and I really committed up at front and we seeded something great. And so now it's like, I have all this, now that the work's done, I've all, I'm like, Hey, <laughs> I know. my body is still highly fertile <laughs> and still <Yeah. laughs> like I have more options for myself. So if a suitor wants to present to himself and my body says a complete yes I absolutely would be open to that that's the thing it's like that's the getting into your body to the point where you heal that wound where a lot of it is actually coming from society anyway Um, and then you realize how much of a choice it is and it's okay either way like you can really come to some healing Tammy actually really helped me learn this over the years because you know parenting is fucking hard I watch really what people hard. go through and it's so intense and I think we could do a lot better job taking care of mothers in general and I think part of that is and one of my guests a few episodes ago was talking about how parenting is also a, a deep calling um like there's the creation aspect of it but then there's also the parenting aspect of it <laughs> that's what I always yeah. end up avoiding when I started thinking about like teenagers and the stress of ad- the adolescence and all that stuff that I'd be like oh I could wait a little longer <laughs> and that's you know yeah. that's where the ambivalence kind of came in for me as reality set in and I was grateful as I've gotten older for my infertility because it forced me to actually make a very conscious choice, um, which I'm really grateful for because I would have just had a bunch of babies because I like babies. <laughs> then I would have been like, <laughs> then I would have been one of the, I would have personally been one of the women that was like, I cannot do all of it. I can't do, I can't do the work and the, and the, all of the things. Yeah, um, I think yeah. a lot of women absolutely can and are phenomenal. And I'm just not one of them. I really like single focusing. Um, and that's where I've done some of my best work. So I wanted, I've been always wanting the freedom, but the other thing that came to my mind when you were talking was I was in a women's circle once with some older women in their sixties and seventies, I would say. Oh yeah. And one of them had a sister who was in the hospital and I heard them like talking and on a break, we were all in the same room. So they weren't like in private, but they were having a conversation that was just, everyone could hear. And one of them, she was worried about her sister and whether she was going to make it or not. And she said, because she's never had children, so she doesn't have anything to live for. Mm. And I, mm. <laughs> and that one hit me. Well, then what have I been doing for, uh, you know, for decades? That's, I think that's what snapped me out of any grief I was having. Because I was like, well, bullshit. I have a lot to live for, actually. And it's not just that. Like, it's... <laughs> 
I'm living for my creative purpose, the very thing I feel like I was born to do. Are you kidding me? Yeah, or for myself. Like, it really just helped me realize, like, how much we put on, how much women and, you know, uh, and females can put on each other. Um, Yeah, yeah. And how we haven't really created space to talk about this, but we also put just all this really weird stuff on it anyway. And I think we need to really reconsider how we think about mothering and... Yeah, I mean, for me, like, you know, I remember my in my early 20s, when, um, when I first got, um, let's see, what shall we call it? Um, procreation lust. <laughs> so when I got hit with the first strike of procreation lust, I came across this book, Our Stolen Future, like one of my favorite things is to go into the library, like I, I still have a library card, I love like 80 <laughs> books checked out at the library yeah. right now. Yeah, your house looks like a library. <laughs> because I have all the library books from the library in my house. <laughs> all you have to do is renew them over and over and you basically have a rented library. Yeah, now. that's awesome. <laughs> so, so, you know, it's like, it's very, it's a, it's a kind it feels very magical to like, just go into the aisles of the library without any, you know, mission and just find that this book calls to you on the shelves. Yeah. And this one book in my twenties called Our Stolen Future and I was really getting into health at this point, and um, and after, so basically, the, the the premise of the book is our environment is affecting our internal environment, our environment, our external environment, and our ecology, and what we're doing with chemicals is affecting the internal environment, environment, and the future generation of our species. And because it the the first environment is the mother, is the womb, right. And I, at that moment, I took, it hit me the responsibility of becoming a mother. (sighs) And it's insane to me because I only have found two men that have validated this mama bear like intensity that I always felt around motherhood because our culture doesn't really support like, you know, like a, a preparing the body and preconception and, you know, like with the bigot, like it really took like it, the only two men I have heard that didn't scoff at my intensity or say that I'm like too intense or crazy or, hey, you know, I've heard, oh, yeah, you just people just have babies all the time. <laughs> I, know. Yes, I know, but <laughs> you know, really it was it was someone who who had uh, who grew who didn't go to college, but he went he actually went to a farm instead Mm. so he really got in touch with natural seasons and cycles yeah and the other is a scientist doing work on like childhood development and so I'm like these are the only two men I I have come in my personal experience that validate this sense that becoming a mother is an extremely extremely responsible thing and the culture leaves us to do it on our own because we're always always thought about the future of business and it's like truly if you produce goods and services that are good for the mother they are good for the for all humans and they are good for the earth yes because if you produce things that you know are reducing the you know the environmental um and the endocrine disrupting you know uh, uh, processes then it's like everyone gets to raise up and you actually get to not, not only do I have optimal health, but you know, I, there's a chance for the future generation to also be set up for optimal health. Absolutely. 
you know, I think part of sustainability is also holding back on constantly propelling forward. And part of that is a little bit of population control, I guess. Well, I, to me, it's, I, this is why I, I, you know, I love near, I really love neuroscience so much. Yeah, me like, too. It's so like, good. you know, people ask like, sure, why have you, it's like, I was joking in one of my talks, you know, it's like scholarship has made me like a celibate Samantha from Sex in the City. <laughs> <laughs> Because I am full of energy, yeah. Oh, yeah. trust me. Yeah. But that single, that single vision, single focus has yeah. really kept me on well, the path. Because, when you can, yeah, I have no resources. I did yeah. this all with no resources, yeah. and it takes a really serious dedication to you know. It's like I developed a model of like what's going on between the ovaries and the brain, and how creativity works for women, yeah, and how cognition works as are we're going through these different you know hormonal states. And, you know, it was, it was like a, it was a calling and, yeah. and it's something that I really, um, it's where my mother instincts led me yes. because we're just too many women who are suffering from being female or being cyclical. Yeah. And it's like me, it reminds me, it's the same to me, the, the parallels between little Dushara. So Shara, when I was a little girl mm-hmm. of being not being white mm. and of the parallels of not being male that I see in women, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. There are a lot of the same things. It's like, because I'm not white, I'm less than because I'm not white. I boys don't like me because I'm not white. I'm not pretty because I'm not white. I'm all of these things as a little child yeah. going in my head, mm. running in my head over and over. And that really healed for me. Um, uh, you know, as a, you know, as I became an adult, like at 21, it really, really healed for me. And so it's really interesting to see the parallels going on. And because I'm not male, I'm powerless because I'm not male. I'm seeing this very similar, um, very similar protection from rejection or protection from not being accepted that comes up. And you take when you're when you're when you're part of the um, when you're marginalized, you self-destruct on yourself. You eat that you eat that social like Mm. that part of you that says because you're a woman because you're hormonal and because because you're a woman and you're hormonal, you're crazy. Yeah, you know you you internalize that, Mm. and so you know the part of my mothering instinct that came off is the one thing that really for me, that really was a part of my healing journey of because I'm not white, I'm, you know, ugly because I'm not white, I'm less than Mm -hmm. was actually becoming a woman. Mm. When I became a woman, I was like, you know, I was was all of a sudden initiated into this world that I heard like Queen Latifah talk about of being like strong and powerful. And like, so it it really was a, 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 a beautiful, beautiful flourishing into a radical confidence. Mm. And so I've only ever experienced anything positive with becoming a woman. And I'm talking the very beginning of becoming a woman. I'm talking being running home from grade school. And as my, as my ovaries were starting to produce for the first time, you know, we don't, I, I don't even know if anyone knew what was going on with me back then, but it's like, I felt like there was a secret going on because I was having like, 
I was becoming a woman right before I had, even before my first menses, which is, as we know from looking at teenage uh, prepubescent patterns, you actually start to produce cervical mucus before your first bleed. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, this, this secret was happening and I was becoming a woman. And I was like, it was such a powerful initiation for me. Mm -hmm. And I never, not, I, ever since then, I never let, because I, because I had already navigated through because I'm not white, I'm less than, because I navigated through that, I never, ever let anyone tell me because I'm not a man, I'm blank as a woman. Never, Hmm. ever. We internalize the very things that we're trying to get uh, because we all want to be fully self-expressed. We all want to be, we, everyone loves power. Everyone wants to fully express their gifts. Yeah. Everyone wants access to resources. And if some of those resources or some of those freedoms or some of those, you know, those abilities to flourish in life are only primarily given to certain groups and then they're they're denied to others, then we might internalize the very things like we might actually to get into the workplaces, put shoulder, like, (laughs) you know, create, create outfits that give us broad shoulders as we enter the workplace, because we're able to really do it for the first time. And so I think now as I'm, you know, looking, seeing articles come out in the New York Times about women's expression of power, I think that there's a trend where women are like, hey, wait a minute, okay, we did get into the workplace, yet we're something's still missing. And maybe what's missing is we haven't accepted that even though we were in a structure, that structure actually didn't truly honor who we are. And so that structure needs to change so that we can truly express our, our fullness, our wholeness and, and then co-create from there. Like I'm co-creating like the, the, the beautiful culmination of all this is, you know, I, you know, my body said yes, and those partnerships didn't um, didn't culminate into mm-hmm. you know marriage and family and children. But now it's like because I was able to tune into this primal drive to create. It's like I I have like all kinds of collaborative partners, and lots of you know the collaborative part <laughs> and lots of babies, yeah. and you know the collaborative partnership I'm doing with some really brilliant men. Yeah. And the and the perspective that we're sharing and and the the understanding that we're coming to of really um, really collaborating together like that that's the future I see is like it's not you know it's like in the it's like uh, Leonard Schlein one of my favorite neurosurgeons mm-hmm. and authors mm-hmm. is like him. you know the time of the alphabet versus the goddess it's like before the word the written word was the visual image yeah and then the God was female and then the visual image came and then God became male. Well, I was like, then his final book before he passed was Leonardo's brain. And it's now about synthesis and coming together. And like, that's the future I see where it's like, let these standards of power kind of crumble on themselves so that we can get back to, you know, human flourishing, let everyone be self-expressed. Don't deny someone their self-expression. Don't deny someone their ability to feel vital and powerful. Don't exercise your power over another to get advantage. You know, yeah. it's like it's it's and it's yeah, living in harmony, living a sustainable sustainable 
it's not, let's get over these bullshit competitive models yeah. of nature. Nature is emergent and chaotic, but like there's an order, there's an order and a synchrony to it. It's like, let's get into like, let's just get into the, like, come on people, top of the Maslow's here. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I can't believe Leonard Schlein had another book that I didn't know about. I hadn't heard of that one. Oh, Leonardo's Brain Girl. It was literally, he finished the manuscript um, the week that he passed Ugh. from his brain tumor. I was reading it. Alphabet versus the goddess, and then he passed while I was reading that book. Yeah, it's cool. such a good book for people people who are interested in like masculine, feminine energies and how that comes through our cultures. Um, Alphabet versus the goddess, and sex, time, and power, and then obviously Leonardo's brain, which I have to read and I haven't yeah. yet. Um, all there are pro- at least the two I read. The other two are great, and I trust you that the third one is too. So fantastic. Yeah. yeah, Leonard Schlein, like they're, they're, and to have ally, like my father was an ally. Like my father actually, I went to him and I was like, Dad, am I ugly? No. <laughs> because I was like, no one ever wanted to take me out to dances or anything. Yeah. And my dad was such an ally for me, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. Leonard Schlein, like talking about like the feminine and, and why we need to embrace it and why, you know, we need to have a holistic brain and not just one, you know, more wired towards, you know, one way of thinking or the other, you know, there's allies, there's men in science that are our allies. Like there's so many allies that, you know, so we don't have to, um, you know, fight the powers that be and to spend and waste our energy. Mm -hmm. It's like, let's get to the female drive to create. Let's understand women are creators. Let's create systems that, that acknowledge female rhythms, female cycles in the female body you know, let's get healthcare. Let's that you know yeah. really honors the female body and respects you know um, you know women's flourishing and the feminine in general. And I mean, I think that's why we're seeing more and more males coming to support us and like really be balanced because they, you know, people have been talking about this quote unquote feminine rising for the last. 10 years or so. And what they don't understand is it's not a female or woman thing. It's, it's coming through for everyone because we are all, we've all been fractured by the idea that gender is concretized into our bodies. I do think we, we definitely like females embody feminine energy, males embody male energy, generally speaking. And that gives us a lot of information about what those energies are, but the energies themselves are just energy. And so, and they go together. It's like, that's holistic thinking. And so the males that are coming to us have been doing work in the feminine for themselves and not and they're not stuck in that idea that anything feminine is female and female is less than. So I can't be anything to do with feminine. Yeah. And so, well, really it's like, we need each other. Yeah. You just reminded me of actually why all this inspired inside of me. <laughs> it was because of a male, all of this inspired inside. Well, it, there was also, you know, when we pinky swore, yeah. that <laughs> definitely was some really profound stuff that inspired inside of me. But when, um, you know, when the second, the next uh, like iteration of this work was really turning into the muse cycle, that was my body responding in a state of, um, it's called um, biobehavioral synchrony. It's kind of a fun, cra- crazy science word. But basically what it means is, when you're, it's like that when you meet, it's like when you, when you meet someone and you just, it's like maybe love at first sight or it's connection at first sight or it's chemistry at first sight, mm-hmm. all those things that make you attracted to someone immediately yeah. and it's reciprocal. Well, 
it looks like from the research that I've done is um, the t- time in the high point in the in mid-cycle when we're most fertile, the back of the brain, like the, all the sensory centers come online. And it looks like in human bonding, when you meet someone and there's a sense of knowing and attraction, you your brain sink in those same areas. Mm-hmm. So what I believe was happening. I love that. Isn't it cool? Yes. So that literally, I, you know, I, I like to say it's like I'm playing with this concept of like, hi, my name is Shara. I'm a highly creative individual and I crush a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so I'm literally being activated by this crush in the very part of the brain that inspires creative thinking and is associated with like ahas and eurekas. And it's because of the you know, uh, be, it's because of the crush that I was able to feel and access deeper parts of my own, um, of my own felt sense of inner self. And it's because of the crush, because of, of, of my opposite mirroring back to me mm. through mm. the laws of attraction, literally like the true laws of attraction, yeah. not like whatever, ask the universe and the universe gives you whatever you want. Sorry, magical thinking, everyone. That's not the, how the universe works. <laughs> I agree. Sorry to break it to you. I've it's asked little, for many things that I've wanted and the universe that. was like, um, I don't revolve around you. Sorry. Yeah. So <laughs> know, the law of attraction really does work better for people who are the most privileged somehow. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, anyway, so sorry. true law, true love. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. <laughs> Sorry, not sorry. Just calling it out. Woke. So true law of attraction, you know, is going off. And because of that, I'm able to feel these states. And I I swear it's because of because of my opposite, because of my body's longing to unite with that which is opposite from me, because I honor men and and when Mm. good men doing good things because of that. Like I was, they were a part, like men in my life were a part of inspiring my best work. Yeah. And so really I'm like, come on people, like let's get to the positive aspects of flourishing, not only within ourselves and, and, you know, being peak performers, but together. This brings, this is so brilliant because it's bringing back that, like, you know, when you do have a crush, but all you do is put all your energy into that person and then you just want to merge with them or whatever. But you're bringing the idea that like, if you can contain that energy and put it into something it is so powerful oh yeah girl and then (laughs) on top of it you're making me think of like how many women especially white women have like created a battle and feminism against males not to say that the males aren't the one that created a lot of this because it is but however we are the fucking mothers and so we have a responsibility to actually stand in our rightful power and actually hold space for them to actually shift so that they we can create more peace don't I mean that's how I feel anyway (laughs) well you know I mean maybe it's uh don't don't they rise up to you know how they're challenged and what we're expecting yeah and what we're expecting so just expect greatness it's like I'm I'm like let's meet in our greatness. Absolutely. And not in our dysfunction. Yes. Oh, that was juicy. Um, it's, I, I think it's kind of, well, is there anything else that you want to bring up on this topic of childlessness and infertility? And I actually feel like we could probably talk, we might need to come back because I think people might have questions and more comments and we can go deeper, but anything that's coming up for you right now about it? Yeah. You know, I, we entered this as a, um, 
as a really sensitive and sacred space. And I think we should close it as such yeah. because it's such a, um, it just, it's a, it's a topic that just can rent the soul. It just touches the soul. It's such yeah. a deep place. And for any woman who might be listening in because she has felt it herself or she has had to struggle through infertility or, you know, childlessness, um, you know, and which I, for my experience is being fertile, but not having the opportunity to have a child or even being infertile and not having a child too. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You know, cause in my situation, I never had any signs that I was fertile. I've never been pregnant. Um, and I wanted it for a while, but I never wanted to, I only wanted it if it came to me naturally. I was pretty clear about that for some reason. I didn't want to have to go force for it. And of course I could like adopt or I could do IVF, but those options are also very expensive. Yeah. And so um, sometimes it's really literally not a choice. Hey, good point. Yeah. Very good point. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Sometimes it's not a choice. And so then what do you do? Yeah. And so for any woman who's listening, you know, I, I know it's really hard for, anyone to understand the, the, like the dark night of the soul that, you know, you're, you're going through and, and yet and, that is the transition point for a rebirth also. Exactly. Yeah. It is the metaphor for you, for any woman, woman listening in is the Phoenix rises out of the ashes. Yep. And if you can, and if you can take that desire and that drive, that biological drive inside of you to create, that's in me, that's in Danielle, that's in us. And if you can channel that into something that can get you out of bed and get your joie back, then really it can be a true saving grace. Um, and I'm speaking from real experience. I've, I've, that's how I pulled yeah. myself out, out of my own ashes. Me too. Me too. I, I had to find the thing, pull myself out. And then I discovered that I have, that I can become unstoppable. You know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> once, once you can heal that depth of pain, because it's exactly, then, then you can deal with literally anything. <laughs> Exactly. I can, yeah, I'm like, yep. <laughs> yep. Tragedy, like biblical book of Job yeah, style, but us, I'm cool. Some of us, that's our, that's our hero or heroine's journey is to go through that. That's our shamanic journey. And that's what teaches mm -hmm. us how to hold space on a deeper level than most people can in our culture. And, and that mm -hmm. can be a really beautiful thing. A really beautiful thing. Um, a really beautiful thing. So let's talk about one of your babies, um, the one that's going to help other women track their cycles, not just for pregnancy and fertility for babies, for like human yeah. babies. Tell us more about yeah, yeah, what yeah. you've been working on. Yeah. So um, discoveryourmuse.com is, uh, is where women can go to learn more about this connection between their cycle and their muse. And if any woman's interested in um, that primal drive to create in terms of like opening up into her purpose, opening up into uh, her body of work, fueling her performance, well, then there are actually nine different states that she can discover and um, we do that through the Muse cycle. And so anyone going to discoveryourmuse.com can, um, can be invited to you know, take this, this, this call to adventure very much in the feminine form of the hero's journey, which is the female quest to create. 
I love it. Thank you so much for this conversation. And I know it's um this one was a a a topic that's a little, you know, it's a sacred and it, it can be painful. So um I thank you for being open and brave enough to have this conversation with me publicly for people to heal, to help them heal. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can find show notes at vitalvagina.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and share with your friends. We'll be back next week with another episode.